So let's be seated as we listen to God's word and continue in worship. Our reading today is taken from Ruth chapter 3. One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with those women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but do not let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went, down to, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the cover of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a noble woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of, your, of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as, as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, 
Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. This is the word of the Lord. So we're going to welcome Reverend Abbasay to preach to us this morning. So I just want to pray for him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Reverend Abbasay. We pray that you will fill him with all strength and power and authority from you as he speaks and shares with us today. In the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, dear people of God. It's, a, it's my delight and pleasure to be here with you this morning uh, to continue to explore God's word uh, from the little book of uh, Ruth. Uh, I've come this morning accompanied by my dear wife and uh, our daughter, uh, Kuku. I don't know where she is. Maybe she's in the Sunday club or some, somewhere. Um, it's a good thing that the churches in BA16 are working together. And I'm glad that uh, I was asked to share God's word with you from this uh, book uh, which uh, I'm very familiar with uh, 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 now. Uh, but before I go on, I, will, I would like us to pray. Let us pray. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, grant, we pray, that we might be grounded and settled in your truth by the coming of your Holy Spirit into our hearts, what we do not know. Reveal to us what is lacking within us. Make complete that which we do know. Confirm in us and keep us blameless in your service through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Before the prayer, I told you uh, I've engaged deeply with the book of Ruth for about six times. First, as a member of the Christian Youth Fellowship of the Presbyterian Church in Cameroon, then a student in the Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Kumba, and as a student in Princeton Theological Seminary in New Jersey, U USA, as a visitor to Hope Presbyterian Church in Mitchellville in Bowie in Maryland, and back to Cameroon as a lecturer of the uh, Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, and then to uh, uh, the Methodist Church during the Methodist uh, the Bible Month. So I think I'm very familiar with the Book of Ruth. But then each time you read the Bible, there is something that. Uh, strikes you, that, that comes, uh, that is so fresh. And when I was asked to talk about righteousness and uh, restoration, uh, when I read uh, uh, the chap chapter three, initially I couldn't see it, but then I kept praying until it came to me, it came alive that there is something about Boaz's uh, righteousness and uh, the restoration of the people of Ruth, uh, Naomi, and by extension, the people of Israel. Uh, 
As you already know, the book of Ruth is a cameo story of faithfulness in a time of faithlessness, leading to the redemption and restoration of Ruth, and by extension, the people of Israel through Naomi's relative Boaz, a kinsman redeemer, or some Bible versions call him a guardian redeemer. And through Ruth's faithfulness to her mother-in-law, Naomi, and to Naomi's religion, Ruth, who is derogatorily called a Moabite woman, seven times became the great-grandmother of King David. I know that previous speakers must have already told you why they insisted on her ethnicity as a Moabite because of uh, uh, first the Hebrew Bible portrays the origin of the Moabite people through incest. And so anybody who, was, who hears that Ruth is a Moabite would not, be, would not feel comfortable uh, associating with her. And again, we see the names of the characters in that story uh, foreshadow the action in the unfolding story. Uh, it's a book of uh, contrasts, contradictions, I should say. And so you could even see from Elimelech's name, which is a sharp contradiction of the idolatry of the days of the judges, where there was sin, and then the people were punished, they cried out to God, they repented, and then they were delivered. And so Elimelech's name affirms that God is the supreme king and therefore controls the history of individuals and nations. And throughout the book, we don't see God much, we don't see God at work, but then God's silence does not mean God's absence. Sometimes I stay quietly in my study, but I am still very present at home, knowing what is happening, hearing the voices of children and so on. So I am still there. There is also this sharp contrast in between the name Bethlehem, which is house of bread, but then there was a famine, a house of bread without bread. And so the famine and the migration became extremely significant as a bridge builder between rival peoples. Sometimes bad things happen to us and they become the best thing that ever happened to us. Crisis moments hold out potentials for solid solidarity, goodwill, compassion, as well as reprisals and rejection. Think of the years of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, for example. There was an overflowing demonstration of solidarity and compassion, especially for the vulnerable ones in our community. And to say that was a bit of an introduction to the, what I'm saying, uh, as I said, I was asked to share with you my reflection on chapter three under the theme righteousness and restoration. 
The language of the church can be confusing to people who are not religious, but I am glad that previous speakers have laid a solid foundation on which we are going to build. What is righteousness? What is restoration? Are we a justice-seeking community? How do, you, how do we use the power and authority that we have to empower or to disempower, to impoverish or to make others wealthy? How do you relate to people who are not like you? What do you see in other people, friends or foe? What does the Hebrew word tzedakah, translated as righteousness, really mean in relational terms? In the Muslim community, the word tzedakah is very common. Have you heard of that word before? Tzedakah. In my, in my country, it's very common because during that time, uh, Muslims share a lot. They, they distribute goods to the, the communities. They do a lot of goodwill. And all that we were doing during COVID-19, helping other people, that is called tzedakah. Tzedakah. And so, it comes from another word, tzedek, which means justice. And that is something that people of God were commanded to pursue. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, it is said, tzedek, 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 justice, justice, you shall pursue. And so, God commands us to pursue justice. And the prophet Micah says, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. By this prophetic word, tzedakah is to do what is right and just. And so we see in the example of uh, Boaz, he tries to do what is right and just. And for the Hebrew people, Isaiah also said, stop doing wrong, learn to do just, uh, do, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And the Old Testament in Deuteronomy says, curse is anyone who withholds justice from the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow. And then the, all the people will say, said, Amen. And so listening to, the, uh, to our sister read, in that narrative, who does what is right and just? Definitely Boaz does what is right and just. And as followers of Jesus Christ, are we doing what is right and just? Are we generous with the resources God has entrusted to us as God's trustees? Ruth chapter 3 portrays Boaz as a worthy trustee doing what is right and just. And Boaz can be credited with his strife to change the condition of the widows, even if he is judged by some interpreters 
as doing it from a selfish motivation, from the way it is put in those first six verses. And so for me, Boaz demonstrates righteous, uh, his righteousness comes from his relationship with God. He has a relationship with God, even if it is not clearly stated in that narrative. And by virtue of his social location as a rich and powerful male Hebrew, justice is something he was obligated to do to protect the weaker levels of the covenant community from being taken advantage of or being wrongly deprived of their due, whether it is the legal, the property, and the economic rights to which their place within the society entitled them. And so following that, what Boaz does is that he permits Ruth to glean and then he shows loving kindness to uh, uh, Ruth and by allowing her to drink from his own uh, drinking cup. And he also pro uh, provides protection for her from potential troublemakers, those who could assault her. And so Boaz praised Ruth's loving kindness and qualified her as a valiant woman you will not see that in the, in the English translation, it, but it's very close to the same description for Boaz in chapter two, verse one. Here, Ruth, uh, Boaz calls Ruth Eshet Chayil, and then he was called in chapter two, verse one, Gibor Chayil. So you hear that you get the word Chayil in both of them, which is worthy, says valiant, Ruth is elevated to the level, the same level with Boaz. Before, Boaz was high up there, rich and powerful male in a patriarchal society. And then the woman was a widow. Ruth was a widow down there. But then when Boaz wants to show his righteousness, he first of all disregards his own uh, status in society. And what he does is that he elevates Ruth to stand on the same level with him. And so Ruth and Boaz are at the same level. So what does this mean for us who do good to other people? Firstly, we must recognize the people we are interceding on their behalf as equals in dignity and worth, who just happen to find themselves in some unfortunate circumstances, probably not of their own making. They are primarily humans like us. And so the righteous must not degrade their beneficiaries, rather, the righteous shall act justly as God demands it and as God will ultimately deliver it. Thus, Boaz's words lend credibility to the righteous actions that follow. In fact, some Jewish scholars argue that Judaism insists that if we see a person in need, 
It is because we have been given the opportunity to have them and we are therefore obliged to do so. In fact, the Hebrew words for pauper and poverty are both derived from the same root, meaning to respond. And so this highlights that poverty is meant to elicit a response from those who have the means to give. Need, lack, disadvantage, and oppression are God's invitations to us to fulfill our obligation to pursue justice through acts of tzedakah, righteousness. My dear friends, secondly, when Boaz elevated Ruth to the same standard, what does that imply? It implies that we must act with humility. Boaz met the immediate survival needs of the widows. He provided food and promised security. And that was beyond the people, the, their expectation. And so he sought to empower the powerless women. And so Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. And so to empower others, we must be willing to divest ourselves of power without a struggle. Nobody compelled Boaz to elevate Ruth to the same level like him. And so, to empower others, we must be willing to divest ourselves of power without a struggle. And so, the philosophy that greed is good, or the, in, uh, the inflation of greed in today's world is a calamity that needs a vehement resistance. We must push back this kind of teaching where some people acquire so much to the detriment of the majority in society. I share with you a story that may encourage you to continue to be righteous people. There is a powerful story about a member of the famous wealthy Rothschild family. Someone asked him, exactly how much wealth do you have? In response, Lord Rothschild answered, let me show you. He led the man to a room and showed him many documents. There were receipts from the charities that he had supported. And he said, these are my only true possessions. Only the money that I have given away will accompany me to the grave. My dear friends, the last thing that I learned from what, uh, the righteousness of Boaz is that we must be intentional in our compassionate deeds. 
You know, when you are pop, there is popcorn. It just happens when you put it in a, in a pot and you want to pop it, it just, you know, it just pop, 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 at random. That shouldn't be the way we do charity. We should be intentional in the way we do charity. We should be disciplined. For those who have received their pay, you look, you ask yourself, how much can I allocate for goodwill? And you set that aside month by month so that you become a tzaddik, a righteous person, disciplined in the way you do charity. Not just get up and then, I'm, I'm not saying to, to do that is a bad thing, but I think it's, more, it's better to be disciplined in the way you do charity. And so Boaz took the plight of the widows to, uh, to the city gate, and the city gate was the center of administration of justice. And we see that Boaz had the right attitude and character and drive as a justice-seeking person. And then he pursued the matter legally in accordance with the cultural norms of the community of God's people. And so the question I leave you with, are we actively and intentionally seeking justice for the weak and vulnerable members of the community of God's creation? What is your attitude towards strangers? What is that one kind deed that you performed recently to help other people? Think about that. And then for, the, for this upcoming week, you can be more strategic like Boaz and be able to speak up for those who are being persecuted in our communities. Sometimes they may be even members of our own church who need help. We need to be able to recognize them and to do something. Paul says to the church in Galatia, do not be weary in doing good, for at the right time you reap a rich reward. And then he says, do good to all people. And he says, especially to members of the household of faith. There may be people around us who need our help. Look at what happened. Boaz looked very close to the people around, around him and he was able to give help. There may be people in our own communities, in our own churches who need our help. Let us act righteously. And I encourage you to go and act righteously like Boaz and see you next Sunday in chapter four. God bless you.